Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. We seek to equip, encourage, and engage pastors and church leaders in the Appalachian region. We focus on having conversations on church revitalization in the mountains and beyond. Your hosts are Matthew Jacobs, Brent Snyder, Jacob Gwynn, and Travis Tyler. Welcome back to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Today we're going to be dealing with a topic that, to be quite honest, ends up being a little bit of a hindrance, and that is stereotypes here in Appalachia. And joining me today, unfortunately, uh, Little T couldn't be here, Travis Burt's not with us, but we got Jacob back with us, we got Brent back with us, and we got Matthew back with us. So, how's it going, guys? Good. Glad to be here. It's going well. It's going well. It's nice to be be up in the the mountains of North Carolina, right by the river. That's right. We're recording here today in beautiful Dogtown, right? That is correct. So. All right, guys. Well, let's let's talk about some stereotypes here. Um, my brother-in-law is from Missouri, and he likes to watch a show called Moonshiners. Y'all ever heard of it? And he has made a few references to the fact that uh, m- many of the episodes center around folks in the Appalachian area. Actually, about all of them do. And so, you know, he's asked me questions about moonshining and all these different things. What are some other, uh, what are some other venues and things that I think most of the country views Appalachians through? Banjo music. <laughs> like doodling banjos. Yeah. Like when you hear banjo music. Leave. What's the uh, the Koei? Uh, you said that rafting T-shirt. It's, uh, keep when, when the banjo music row plays, faster. Row, row faster. Row faster. You know, because <laughs> um, there, you know, in many ways there's there's some truth to it, but but is in many ways a stereotype. So, yeah. Well, there's a part not too far from here talking about banjo music called the Globe. Anytime you see flooding in like Burke County. Avery County, what's, what's the other county over in the kind of that connects there? McDowell. McDowell County. It's always geographically talking about the Globe area, which is where Wilson Creek that comes off of Grandfather Mountain comes down that way. And there's always, you get a big heavy rain, it floods through there. Mm-hmm. And um, it's very confusing if you try to go fly fishing in there like I have. And people have always told me, if you start to hear the banjo music, turn around and head out of there as fast as you can because it, it is a unique uh, community. <laughs> Doesn't bode well, right? Uh, let's let's talk about another show that was very popular, maybe somewhat controversial now. How about the good old Dukes of Hazard? Now that was set in Appalachia, right? Just some good old boys, never meaning no harm. What what was uh what were the Dukes involved in there on that show? I think it was a moonshine. It was a moonshine operation, wasn't yep. it? Mm-hmm. All sorts of criminal mischief. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all kinds of chicanery yeah. going on there. <laughs> Um, another show, they don't quite say where they're from. I don't know if it was from Appalachia or the Ozarks of I think, Missouri. I think it's more Arkansas if you're thinking about It might about be the, Ozarks, but yeah, the Beverly, Beverly Hillbillies. Hill yeah, yeah, the Beverly Hillbillies. They never say where they're from, but it's it's more the Ozarks or Arkansas, but it's kind of lumped in with Hillbilly or Appalachia, mm-hmm. you know, Appalachia culture, so. Get out there. Look at this concrete pond back here in the back, Granny. <laughs> yeah, just this backwards kind of ignorant people that are uh, they're seen as what, and all these portrayals they're they're shown as what they're backwards, ignorant, mm-hmm. uninformed, 
Uh, I would even say tendencies towards violence, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, granny, especially. Yeah, Granny, yeah. She, Gr- didn't, granny had some anger issues. She didn't want to mess with Granny. Maybe some of us have. We're pastoring Granny in our churches. Right I don't know. But chewing tobacco and keeping a shotgun close by. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, another movie that I would not recommend anyone to ever see, ever, under any circumstance. And my mother warned me about it, but I didn't believe her. I was young and in college, and I thought, I know better than you was the movie Deliverance, Mm. which is supposed to be set in Appalachia. And we're not going to get into the details of it, but let's just say this. It doesn't paint our people in a good light, right? Not good. (laughs) Well, that's definitely where uh, you think about the whole idea of uh, the banjo music. That's where that whole whole concept comes from. People think about getting way far back in the woods there. Wasn't that filmed over towards Bryson City? Oh, I think it was filmed in Appalachia somewhere, yeah. I don't know yeah, where. I'm not sure where it was. Uh, I think it was actually filmed in northern Georgia. It was kind yeah. of northern northern Georgia area. So, which, which if you which, go back to episode two, that's clearly part of Appalachia. Yeah, so it's part of yeah. Appalachia. Yeah. <laughs> so when you think about northern Georgia, is connected right next to Chattanooga, which is, you know, right right in the mountains there. So that's where it filmed at. So we can all. So in all of these ones that we've talked about, the Appalachian people are portrayed as poor, uneducated. Thanks to movies like Deliverance, Inbred, mm-hmm. and Violent, right? These would be the ones. Uh, the question is, has it always been this way, and is that a fair stereotype? Obviously, you know, stereotypes in and of themselves are usually not fair, so we're going we're gonna to kind of dissect this a little bit. So let's talk about the past. Has this been true? Of, has Americans viewed Appalachians this way in the past? I don't believe it necessarily has always been the case. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> Well, I think I also think, you know, there's obviously some measure of truth there, but I don't think it's always been been the past, in, that way in the past as well either. You think of just historically, um, you think of just the the people who settled in the area uh, that was not originally the mindset. It wasn't hillbillyish. It wasn't. Uh, you know, it wasn't kind of like those shows or anything. There was a level of independence, mm-hmm. um, and I think some people have kind of taken that independence and have stretched it to the point of where they can use those stereotypes for the shows. I would say there's a. I would say there, his, historically, there was even maybe a level of heroism, I guess, associated to people, people in Appalachia because of the independence. I mean, take, taking a stand for independent rights and things like that. I mean, it, maybe it ties into the violence, too. We don't hesitate to take up arms. <laughs> that Scott-Irish background. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, but there's truth there, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't... I mean, it is a stereotype, but I think with a lot of stereotypes, there's there's some measure of truth or something that points to why people think that. And so you think of even just some of those shows, uh, like, for instance, Moonshiners. Yeah, it happens. I mean, my... My grandfather moonshine, you know, so it's one of those things where, you know, it's it is it is there is a lot of truth there, but it's also a stereotype because it's that, that broad, broad stroke of everybody in the region is a is a moonshiner or is a hillbilly. But if we want to go back to historically looking in one of those great um, shows that the History Channel produces, the Men Who Built America, you look at Daniel Boone, mm. you know, someone that. It's claimed to have been here in uh, not too far from where we're recording this episode, about probably about what maybe ten miles 
north of here to Grandfather Mountain, there's supposed to be a tree that he'd carved his name into. And we look at him or, or David Crockett, and I mean, people looked at that westward expansion of the United States and looked to these men that were blazing trails through the mountains or they were sitting there and, and making a road or whatever it was. That they were seen more as heroes, not necessarily, well, they're just ignorant, they don't know what they're doing. They were people that people in America looked to as like, man, they, they're doing something. Um, so I would say that's not always been the case here in, in Appalachia of being looked down upon. But in some respects, historically, have been people that people look towards. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's a quote about, you know, how Appalachians were viewed in the past. Um, and it talks here in this quote about uh, how they were, um, you know, other authors have talked about how in the Revolutionary War, Appalachians made the difference in stemming the tide of the war. And, you know, I think Appalachians were some of the first to sign up and join the uh, Revolutionary War that I think King, um, what was his name at the time? I can't remember his name. But anyway, the King of England at the time thought if he reached the back country that these Appalachians would join with the British forces, but he was sadly mistaken. They were There was that independent spirit. I think they were trying to escape some of that stuff. Well, if we sit there and just brief pause on your train of thought, if we're Scotch-Irish, mm-hmm. let's think of what England did to the people in Scotland. Yeah. They didn't want nothing to do with the king. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they had some of that historical... Um, that independence. There. Independence, you had like, the, leave us alone. Yeah, you had <laughs> Not the, again. You had the Jacobite risings. You yeah. know, it was that moment of independence even prior to that. And then when they get here in the States and you've got the Revolutionary War and you've got King George trying to assert his uh, authority, man, they're going to rise back up and they're going to take yeah. up arms. It's the, reason they came, it's the reason they loaded up and took the risk to come here in the first place. was yeah. the, I mean, they would rather uh, battle the Cherokee than battle old King George, I guess, you know, because there was not always the most welcoming exchanges between those people. Yeah. Um, but... You know, this stereotype so pervaded, you know, that the, what changed was I think people began to see uh, the, the really the resources in Appalachia, right? Because what, what resources does Appalachia have? Well, you've got coal. You've got, you've got forests that you can, you can cut down and use timber for. You've got... Uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of different mining. Yeah. I mean, a lot of gems and stuff yeah. even in this, this area, too. There are some sections of Appalachia that ginseng can be grown. I think it still is today. There's a show about that. Yes, there is. And, uh, you know, there's... <laughs> and it's beautiful country. It's some of the most, uh, I guess, uh, some of the... I mean, that's been said our mountain range is older and depending on your view of creation, you know. But uh, we'll just leave that one away for now. Uh, and so, you know, but it wasn't just the people coming in to exploit, which... Uh, were pulling these resources out of Appalachia, but even some that were not from Appalachia who were beginning to send missionaries into Appalachia began to adopt these views of the stereotypes of the Appalachian people. And here's the quote I was getting to a minute ago. Uh, This is from a Lexington, Kentucky newspaper in the early 1900s. It says, No more than 25% of the local people have the mental capacity for more than, at most, an elementary education. Intermarriage, oh, terrible intermarriage, has resulted in the development of the racially racial weakness, low intelligence, bad eyes, epilepsy, and so on. So you have here people who 
are not just being viewed by their fellow countrymen, but even people in the church that are trying to send in aid and missionaries to Appalachians are beginning to adopt these stereotypes as early as the early 1900s. And I would even argue that's carried into where we are now. People sending missionaries into these poor backwards people. I mean, do you agree? Yeah, there used to be mission trips all the time coming to, to Roe Mountain and uh, East Tennessee, I know, doing things. And, you know, it's, I know there's mission trips that go across the United States and also across the globe. But, but yeah, there would be a lot, of, a lot of compassion ministries and things like that coming here. And oftentimes, I think even, uh, I remember when we lived in Kentucky, I mean, there was a lot of uh, people that would take, uh, that would take mission trips to, to eastern Kentucky there to, uh, you know, places like Hazard County and so forth. Uh, trying to do outreach with Compassion Ministries. And, and a lot of times the people didn't take too well there because it was this mindset of people coming from the city to kind of teach their ways and uh, kind of felt, uh, in many ways, they felt like people thought they were uneducated or, or poor and everything else and that they needed others to help them. So You make a really good point there. Uh, my wife used to work for the Kentucky Baptist Convention, and they had, uh, what is what is that uh, ministry that, uh, I think Kentucky and then the SBC is at ARM. ARM, yeah, Arm Appalachian Arm. Regional Ministry. And they're they're getting trying to get help and resources in to from all over the country to help Appalachia. But I mean, people here, if they don't know you and you come in mm-hmm. from off the mountain, you're not going to get far in helping them. And I think the reason is because of these stereotypes that have predominated, and there's just a general distrust. Yeah. Of outsiders, would you all agree with that? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yes, I mean, my wife told stories about you know they had to have an arm guy that lived in that community, and it wasn't until a team member went and got him and said, "Oh, we're with this guy," they're like, "Oh, okay, well you you can come in and help us now," and so there was a reservation even about help from the outside because, in my opinion. This land and people had been, you know, had resources pulled out and made other places rich and prosperous, Mm -hmm. and yet the people here have not really benefited from some of that. Yeah, I would say, I mean, it goes for, I think it goes beyond just reservations about people from off, as Matthew says, so eloquently put in another episode, but um, I would say there's an animosity Mm -hmm. towards, I mean, it's, it's, it's even more than just, sort of we don't know about you i mean there's there's an animosity towards people that aren't from around here yeah and i would say some of that's you think about that yeah historically but i would say that's the case in a lot of churches mm-hmm. i mean think about you know obviously in north carolina uh you guys probably hear it uh uh from your your state convention that oh that's 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 what Kerry's doing. We're doing something different here in, in Western North Carolina. Yeah. I know in East Tennessee, it's oh well, that's that's what they're doing in Nashville or Brentwood. We do things a little bit different here in our area. And I and I would say in, in many ways, I think in many ways in our region, that's why I think the local association oftentimes is is oftentimes stronger where people will go for resources as opposed to going to a state or the national convention with yeah. Southern Baptists because. Or and I would say that with any any denomination, because there's that local affinity and there's a, a distrust of you know of outsiders in many ways. You know something else that's that's interesting, and <clears throat> I mean, Travis, you and Jacob have well, and, and Matthew, you all have pastored away from here in in places, and I guess even outside of what you would consider Appalachia. But you know, whenever you look at whenever you look at 
um, like a church's uh, job or requirements whenever they're they're hiring someone to um, to be their next pastor. You know, you have you have these job requirements that you would see at most any church, but I've seen several churches in our area where it's almost like, okay, we wanted to have this amount of experience and this, this, and this, and he really needs to be from around here. Yep. You know, yeah. and I don't know that you would see that in more urban areas or anything like that. It, it really doesn't matter where they're from, but here that's definitely something that's taken into consideration by pastor search committees and things of that nature, which... Oh, absolutely. Uh, there's no question about that. And I think, again, that goes back to what you're talking about, the animosity, the mm-hmm. you know, the real reservation for anybody that's not one of us. Mm-hmm. Because only one of us will have our best interest in mind. You know what I yeah. mean? That's yeah. the unspoken mentality. Yeah. But, um, but I was going to say, in some ways, I, th- I think you're right, and it's true. But, I mean, think about pastors who maybe you've known who have come from outside in these areas who've oftentimes struggled. struggled. I mean, they could be here for 20 years serving and leading a church and still, in many ways, seem an outsider. And so, in some ways, I understand why churches do it because it is that mindset, but because culturally the same mindset, you almost have to be from here if you want to reach people from here. It's understanding the culture in order to reach the culture. Yeah, it's interesting. Even if those pastors that aren't from around here come here and they, they have some sort of failure or make some sort of mistake, Regardless of what the root cause of that is, people always say, "Well, he wasn't from around here, so that's what you get." You know, when you get when you hire somebody that's not from around here, you know, even though that may not have anything to do with the reason that he failed or whatever the case may be. What's well, even the case? Not just church-wise, but here where we're at right now. You know, we're we're in the process of having to look for a new school superintendent, mm-hmm. and I've seen people that do not want to hire another school superintendent that is not from the county in which we live. Yep. Because we produce the best. That's what one person said. We produce the best, and we don't need somebody from off somewhere else. So in um, comparison with some of these things, uh, I have some older numbers to just sort of, you know, say, well, this is not really true. Uh, let's just go through these real quick. Uh, are, are Appalachians isolated? Do you think they isolate themselves from the rest of the world? I wouldn't say it's necessarily that they are isolated. I would say but they isolate themselves. Okay. I, I, I would do the difference. And the way I would say that is it's not necessarily that the rest of the world doesn't care about Appalachia. It's that the Appalachians want to stay. We're not worried about Cary. We're not worried about what they're doing in Knoxville. Or Nashville, like we're gonna stay, we're good here. Content with the isolation. We're, 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 yeah, we're content with the isolation. We don't have to go off somewhere else. Uh, culturally, in some ways, that can be good, right? Because there's, mm-hmm. you know, if there are bad trends in the culture mm-hmm. and things that are being pushed and agendas being pushed, then it takes longer to be there. Mm-hmm. I think uh, one time, um, oh, Mark Twain said, "If the world ever ends, I want to be in Kentucky." because it'll take 20 years to get there. Well, in, in Appalachia, it may take another 30 or 40 to get there, so this might be the place to... So in one sense, for the bad things, it's good, but then in another sense, it might be harder mm-hmm. on, on other things, which makes initiatives hard. Uh, is it true that Appalachians sit on their front porches and drink whiskey all day? Uh, and or have sweet a, tea. <laughs> or sweet tea. And uh, as uh, Snuffy Smith and Little Abner... Uh, indicate in their comic strip. No, I, I think honestly, people talk about you know people in Appalachia as, as being lazy or, or 
you know, because of poverty don't work. And quite honestly, in many ways, I, I, I find the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there is a sense of pride, a sense of independence, and that comes even in taking care of their family. And so I feel like in many ways it's they work even harder and I think are even even more intentional about about their work ethic. The, I think the work looks different, if that makes any sense. If you go to the city, people's work is they're going to work really, really hard at their job, and then once they're off of work, they're going to sit back and relax and do whatever they want to do. Here, they're going to work at their job, but then when they get home, most people are going to grow their own gardens here. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm the yeah. weird guy, mostly because we don't have the land at our house to grow a garden, but most people, when they get home, then they go out and work in the garden. They're going to work in the garden. They're going to work in their tree patch. They're going to work in something extra. So, the, feed, so their pigs. feed their pigs. <laughs> and you know, in a lot of ways, and it could just be different because we don't have the industry here in the, the region in which we live, is that their work, job-wise, might not take a lot of hours. You know, they might have weird hours that they work. But when they're home, they work exponentially more at the house to make the food or whatever it is to raise the pigs than we would if we lived in the city. So the work looks a lot different than it would in Raleigh or in Atlanta or in New York. I was going to say to the point about sitting on the porch drinking whiskey, It's all I've always sort of chuckled at that thought because, I mean, yeah, there's, I mean, the moonshining culture in Appalachia is real. I mean, it's it, it may be... It may be drummed up a little bit for television shows and things of that nature, but what's so funny about this area is there is more, there's more reservation about alcohol than probably anywhere else in the country. I'd say that's true. I mean, most most people, <laughs> we won't get into an alcohol discussion, but even people in Appalachia that drink, they're not going to sit on their front porch and drink because they're afraid somebody will see them. Well, you got to go to the next county over. To yeah, exactly. And alcohol. so it's it's always sort of been funny to me that that's like one of the stereotypes of. Appalachian people when that that's really the furthest thing from the truth I would say well, not to go too long into this conversation but would that be the case in all aspects like where we live if we went off in some of these back road areas would that be the case or is it that we're just used to seeing a bunch of church people that are all going to sit on their front porch and drink no I think it would be the case I think yeah. it would be the case everywhere yeah because I think of just even where my you know my dad lives is way back in a holler and I go back there and I talk to those people and um, you know, they're, they're not believers, but, uh, they're not just sitting on their front porch drinking whiskey or moonshine. They're working in their garden and they're working hard in life the, too. The moral comp, the moral yeah, still, compass yeah. in this area, even for people that are unchurched, I would say is still relatively high, maybe compared to other parts of the country. And even, even if they do immoral things, they try to do them in private, <laughs> I guess you could say. Um... These are old numbers, but the average property rate, I think this has gotten better in the last few years even. The average property rate in the United States from 07 to 2011, I know it's older, but anyway, was 14.3%. Appalachia, it was 16.1%. So it was only slightly higher at that point than its uh, surrounding uh, states and neighbors. So, and then the unemployment rate, again, these are older numbers, uh, was around 7.2 nationally. I think it might be lower now. Isn't that mm. lower? We're yeah, at an all-time low. Yeah, we're at a pretty uh, true low. And then, and, <laughs> and then in uh, Appalachia, it was 7.2. It was identical at that, at that juncture. So, uh, interesting enough. So, all right, are Appalachian people uneducated? 
once again, I, I would say no. Um, I think there, you you look at you know even statistics about diploma rates are pretty pretty close to the norm comparatively. But I think even once again, it's not uneducated. I, I think there is a difference of education as yeah, well. Definitely. Um, so define what you mean by uneducated. Because you've got people who are are book smart. But I think oftentimes in this area, you may not say somebody is book smart, but man, they they can figure something out. They are they are very inquisitive. Uh, they they can tinker on something, and, and you know what? They may have may not have been to the college, but they have a lot of wisdom. They've got a lot of experience, and so it's a different type of education. Yeah, I mean, I think when we're talking about uneducated, we're talking about people who are diplomaed, you know, for from high school, four year college, and then professional degrees. I think those would be the categories, and people who just don't, you know, are don't always know even the way to find best practices on how to do something. Are they educated or are they not? You know, so those. Well, and I think it's, you know, we we use those categories of education like you're uneducated if you haven't been to college or mm-hmm. a master's or a doctorate, but you know, being knowing church members and getting to know people even in the community. I mean, there are, there are members of the church and even people in the community that I, I mean, I've learned and gleaned some information from who didn't graduate from high school or, you know, or barely graduated. And so it, once again, I just think it's a different type of education. Yeah. I mean, I, the answer I think is yes and no, because like you guys have said, if you're looking at education strictly as academic, then, then yeah, uneducated. But you, you mentioned the Mark, what Mark Twain quote about if, if the you know if the world came to an end, I would want to live in Kentucky, and not with the world coming to an end, but say the power grid got knocked off. I can guarantee you that people in Appalachia are going to make it a lot longer than they are anywhere else in the country. Just because <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah. there's a there's yeah. a common sense about how to how to do life, you yeah. know, that maybe don't exist everywhere. Else. Be busted into the Appalachian museums, getting all those antique tools down, <laughs> yeah. going back to how it was. Like, well, we're kind of used to this. Yeah. We, no, I'm just kidding. Anyway. All right, next one. Are Appalachians violent? Are we a violent people here in the mountains? I, I mean, that's hard to say. I wouldn't, that's a hard category. I wouldn't say that any, I mean, the heart of man is violence. Um, and so I wouldn't say that there's any more violence in Appalachia as there would be in any kind of urban setting or globally or anywhere else. I mean, that the heart of man is violence because of sin. Go ahead, Matthew. Maybe easily tempered. If we define that, and what what I mean by that in a church setting for me, or even in, you know, helping out at some stuff of school, is I see people get frustrated and angry and start yelling at you exponentially quicker than I would have in South Alabama hmm. over things that you wouldn't have yelled about. I mean, we've had people come into our our office at the church and yell at us because the flagpole was broke. Yeah, so I would say, I mean. People in Appalachia are not prone to violence. I, I wouldn't say that. But I would say that people in Appalachia are very quick, I, I said earlier, quick to take up, take up arms, but are very quick to defend with vigor and passion what they believe is, is right. Let me be clear. We're talking about murder, rape, robbery, robbery, and assault. Ro- robbery? Can you cut that out? <laughs> <laughs> so, Tell me more about this yeah. robbery uh, at Appalachians. Yes. So, uh, just violent in the present. And you know, there are there are songs uh, that are sung here in Appalachia. Like, 
I can't remember the title of it, but there's one where this guy, he got his girl pregnant, and he asked her to go for a walk. Have you heard the song? I have not. They go for a walk by the river, and he throws her in the river and watches her drown. Like, there's just like this, and you're like, this is horrific. But, I mean, it sounds good while he's playing it, but it's awful, awful, awful what's happening in the song. So, no comment there? That was a heavy size if there was going to be a comment. I think we just have different musical taste, I guess. <laughs> that would also be very true. Yeah. That, that, that'd be very true. But, I mean, if we want to sit back and look, look at violence, I would say at the current moment, probably not. Historically, I, I think there's probably some time periods where, depending on how you looked or where you're from, there was some violence brought towards you in certain parts of Appalachia. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a, there's a place that used to have a sign for people that were African American if they came through after dark, telling them what needed to happen. Um, so, so I think at the current moment, not necessarily historically, I think there there could be some calls to be able to paint some regions of Appalachia as violent. In that regards. Yeah, I mean, you know, revenueers don't let the sun go down on you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was a place about an hour from here. Yeah. That, that was a sign that hung outside the, the, the city limits when you came in. Mm-hmm. All right, now let's, let's talk about the most demeaning of all the stereotypes. This will be the last one we end for the episode here. Uh, it is commonly thought that Appalachians are inbred. Is that true? For the record, I don't know none. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'm sitting here thinking, at, even as we had this little conversation about this, I'm thinking back of just, you know, my family tree and even looking back. And when I look back... There's at, plenty of branches, right? Yeah, there's plenty of branches. <laughs> that, I mean, when I look back at our... Yeah. When I look back at our family tree and the research my dad has done, I mean, I, there's not... I, I don't see it. But that's not saying it didn't exist. And so, I, you know, I know it's the stereotype, but I just don't think it's as big of a reality that people make it out. And it, it could be. I mean, that could, that could be the case more in, in certain areas of Appalachia because obviously some areas of Appalachia are way more isolated than others. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think so. I mean, we talked about the movie Deliverance. I think Hollywood has helped really spur on that stereotype. Yeah, I would I would agree with you both. I've done a little digging in my own family tree, being a native from here, northeast Tennessee area, southwest Virginia, and uh, there are plenty of branches. Yeah. Not to say there haven't been some cold winter nights where some cousins have uh, snuggled up together here and there, but by and large, I don't think it's a truth shared in the culture. So, anyway. Well, on that note, with us uh, <laughs> snuggling cousins... <laughs> Yeah. I don't know what to say to that comment, but um, but these are all stereotypes, and I think uh, you know Brent made a comment about uh, in, in many ways. I, I think these stereotypes have existed for a while, but I think you you think of the prevalence of uh, shows like uh, Beverly Hillbillies or Dukes of Hazard or Deliverance, kind of how we started the show uh, or this episode of, of the podcast, as even shows like Moonshiner. Um, th- those have perpetuated those stereotypes to, to where people think that, you know, they think of inbred, they think of uneducated, which in many ways it's, it's not any different than the national norms. No. And, you know, let's, let's uh, kind of close this one last thought here. Uh, the, the word hillbilly, because that's commonly used. I mean, you go down to Gatlinburg, hillbilly golf. You know what I mean? Like, it's everywhere. 
Is that even an okay word to use, or is that just an offensive word? I would word? say no. I would say it's offensive. I, honestly, I don't know if I've ever been called a hillbilly. Oh, I have. And uh, whether it was whether it was out west or up north, going yeah. someplace, you know, people you know may like to hear your accent or hear you're from Tennessee and want to know more. But I've never been called hillbilly or felt like a hillbilly. I've played at hillbilly golf before and things like that in Gatlinburg. But you know, um, I mean, I don't find it offensive. I mean, if anything, I think it's maybe said in jest among uh, among hillbillies. Yeah, maybe so. But uh, I think it's kind of one of those things that, you know, that's a word we can use with each other, but yeah, other people from, that are not us can't use. That's the way we feel about it. You so. can call me a hillbilly, but if Matthew calls me a hillbilly, Sorry we're probably going to wrestle. It's kind of like being fat, you know? Wrestling. Only, I'm going to take up arms. That's right. When you're fat, only fat people can make comments about fat people, right? If you're Agreed. skinny, you can't talk about that's offensive. So in a similar fashion, for all of our friends that are listening and you're not Appalachian, don't call your friend up and say, you old hillbilly, what are you doing? Not a good idea. Yeah, right. That's so. that's All right, well, that's, uh, I think we're good to wrap this episode up. Any closing thoughts or anything, guys? I, I think, we, as we've talked about, these are all just all stereotypes. There's probably some measure of truth in there, but by and large, um, most of them aren't, aren't true. I would agree with that. Yeah. All people were created in God's image. That's right. And equal. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Tune in next time. We're going to have a look at Appalachian values and characteristics. Uh, look forward to joining you next time.